Okay, uh, we're going to discuss um, the topic of appropriating or taking away uh, money from a non-Jewish person. Uh, there are a lot of misconceptions um, in regard to this, and I'll just mention briefly that uh, we're going to be discussing the halacha in regard to what's called gzela and geneva. Um, in other words, uh, either robbing someone, that's with the person's knowledge, or, or stealing um, without the person's knowledge. Um, we're going to be discussing uh, something called Hafkos Halva, which means not paying back a loan. Um, then also um, Ta'os and Aveda. In other words, uh, if a person makes a mistake, um, and uh, let's say, for example, uh, the person miscalculates, makes a mistake, and, and overpays. Um, or, or let's say, for example, this is a non-Jewish person overpays to the Jewish person, or the Jewish person um, underpays, and the person doesn't realize it. That's a mistake. Those are they're actually two different cases. Um, and the toast one is where the non-Jew makes a mistake on his own, and the other case is where the Jewish person causes him to make that mistake. Um, let's say, for example, he says that uh, certain... Um, a certain, uh, a certain makes a calculation and then he hands the calculation uh, to a non-Jewish person and, and it's actually incorrect. And uh, Aveda, of course, has to do with uh, returning the lost object of a non-Jew. Those are the basic halachas which we're going to cover now. And as we're going to see, there are a lot of misconceptions um, in uh, in terms of what the halacha says about this. The Gemara in Bavakama, Das Kuf Yud Gimel, quotes a Brisa and states that Rabbi Akiva said that um, gezel of a non-Jewish person is prohibited, and uh, it quotes the, a pasuk in uh, Vayikra, Perav Chashei, where the Torah tells us that if a um, Eved Ivri, a, a Jewish slave, is sold to a non-Jew, and then there's an effort to redeem the individual, to pay for him, so then it says in the pasuk that you have to pay a full price, um, and you have to pay for him, and that you have to, um, you also have to make a calculation, you have to pay the full price, which means to say you can't pay less than what you're supposed to. Um, and from here, Rabbi Akiva said, you see that stealing from a non-Jew is prohibited. In other words, you have to pay full price. You can't just take this um, Jewish evidence and forcibly uh, take him away and, and not pay. That would be considered a form of gezel. Even though there is another uh, source um, in Bab Mitziah that indicates that um, that it would be permissible to steal from a non-Jew, but the halacha is in accordance with the view of uh, Rabbi Akiva that it is prohibited to steal from a non-Jewish person. In fact, the smag... Sefer Mitzvah Sagadol says that even according to the permissible point of view, he limits um, the application of that, and he says that the, even that opinion was only saying it would be miss- permissible to steal from a non-Jewish person who is causing all kinds of distress uh, to Jews. But he says there's no position that it's simply permissible to steal from non-Jews. That's the position of the Smag, the Sefer Mitzvah Sagadol. But Allah after all is said and done, the Rambam um, Paskins as the weather Rishonim, that it is prohibited to um, to be gozel from an Anjou, pro- prohibited to be gonies from an Anjou. Um, and in fact, the formulation of the Rambam makes it clear that he considers this an Isidaraisa. He groups this together without any 
a caveat together with stealing from a Jewish person. So he says that it's an Ephraim in Torah, and that's actually the presumption of um, the posting that we pass in this way because the Shulchan Aruch um, quotes basically the uh, Lashon of the Rambam, and the posting point out, the Shach and others point out, that uh, this indicates that um, that these Ephraim in Torah to um, engage in Gzevel or Gneva of a non-Jewish person. Again, it's an Ephraim Daraisa. Um, there is some discussion about other points of view, but for our purposes, Halacha we assume that it constitutes an Iser uh, Minatora. In fact, we find that there are those poskim who quote a Tosefta that indicates that stealing from a non-Jewish person is more stringent, is more chamur than stealing from a Jewish person. And the reason that Tosefta introduces, it's a Tosefta in Bavakama, the reason that Tosefta introduces is because of Chilashem. In other words, it's offered to steal from a Jew, it's offered to steal from a non-Jew. But then, in regards to stealing from a non-Jewish person, you have the extra element of it constituting a Chil Hashem. In Mitzvah Hashem, we'll talk about Chil Hashem more next time, um, in a broader kind of way. But in any case, that's the, that's the um, Tosefta, and this is quoted by the Sefer Mitzvah Sagadol, again the Smag, and by the Agos Maimonios, another one of the Rishonim commentary on the Rambam. They both quote this Tosefta, it says, Chamur Gevel Ha'achlum Gevel Yisrael Mitnei Chil Hashem. It's actually considered to be more stringent. So, Gneva, Gvela, Chil Hashem, of uh, stealing from a non-Jewish person, absolutely offers some Yisrael in Torah, and also it's even worse than stealing from a, a Jewish person. Now, what about Hafka Salva? What about Hafka Salva means that the uh, Jew borrowed money from a non-Jewish person, and somehow one is able to not pay back. Let's say the non-Jewish person forgot about it, or I uh, wasn't keeping track or something along those lines. He thought he paid back the full amount. It was only part of the amount, etc., etc. So the, there's a brisa in the, that same Gemara in Bavakama that says that Hafka Salva is technically permissible, that one would be able to uh, not pay back a debt which one owed to a non-Jewish person. However, um, it should be noted that there are limitations in regard to this. Let me give an example. Let's say if um, if uh, that only applies this halacha if if a Jewish person received the money beheter. In other words, a non-Jewish person gave money to a Jewish person with the assumption that he's going to pay back, and then in the end, uh, you know, the uh, non-Jewish person forgot about it. But but in a situation, let's say for example, whereby a Jewish person, let's say, um, said you owe me a certain amount of money. And it was turned out not to be true. Um, you know, he said, you still owe me $1,000, and gave him $1,000, and it turned out that it was incorrect. He didn't owe him $1,000. There's something along those lines. So since the money was received by the, by the Jew um, impermissibly, or it wasn't true, it wasn't bad there, so therefore, in this case, he certainly has to return the money. That's what some of the posts can point out. Um, and there are other stipulations which are mentioned as well. Some posts can even mention that maybe the Jew has to say that he's not paying it back, or make some statement to that effect that he's annulling the, the debt. Um, but in short, it only applies to that particular specific circumstance that shouldn't be extrapolated you know, to other cases, because, again, it only applies in that circumstance in which the Jewish person borrowed from the non-Jew, and the, non, the Jewish person then passively just doesn't pay back the, uh, the debt. Um, that, from a formal, technical point of view, um, would be true. Um, however, we're going to see that uh, you have to take into account um, issues like, for example, Chil Hashem that often can occur. 
And it may be a terrible idea just in general. Anyways, that we'll see a little bit in the continuation of things. Um, so now let's turn for a minute. Um, there's also a discussion I'll just mention briefly, is a discussion about uh, whether one has to pay a worker, um, somebody, uh, uh, a non-Jew works for an individual, is, is it permissible not to pay back? Maybe that's the same as Afkar Sava, just like in regard to Afkar Sava, if you lend me money and I don't pay it, so technically that might be permissible in certain circumstances. And it's really true in regard to a non-Jewish worker. That's a machlokas, as to whether it's considered like Afkar Sava, or whether it's considered like stealing. Maybe it's considered like a kind of geneva. Um, and therefore, to put it simply, again, it's a pretty much a terrible idea. In addition to that, there are post who say that it's considered stealing. And as we saw before, it would be no different. Geneva would be no different um, stealing from a non-Jew. Um, and from it would be the same as stealing from a Jewish person. So definitely one would have to pay. It's, uh, okay, let's turn now to um, to Tos and Aveda. So, first of all, the uh, the this is mentioned in the um, Gemara that uh, the the two different uh, the two different halachas are mentioned actually together in the same brayso um, in the same context about actually not the same brayso but in any case two different statements in the Gemara one after the other yet that technically um, to'us um, akum is considered to be permissible if the non made a mistake in some kind of calculation in some transaction that was made. And um, the same would be true in regard to Aveda um, Akum, or Aveda of a non-Jew. Technically, one does not have to return it. Um, this is the halacha, which is possible. We'll first discuss the halacha in regard to Aveda. This was discussed, this is mentioned by the Poskim, the Rambam, and the Shulchan Aruch. They all quote this, that uh, it says in the Pasuk that uh, you have to return Aveda Sachicha, the um, lost object of your brother, which indicates that it's only a Jew, a non-Jew, is not included in this uh, obligation of returning a lost object. And um, the the Rambam, however, has we're going to see that the, oftentimes this this halacha again has all kinds of all kinds of uh, limitations. The Rambam um, says that if there is a potential for Chil Hashem then the individual, and it comes in the Gemara actually, it's the, the person for sure has to return it. It becomes an obligation to return it. Now in defining and clarifying what does that mean, the potential, potential for Chil Hashem, there, the, there seems to be a debate amongst the uh, post-game. Um, some post seem to indicate that it means that you know, the non-Jewish person will know with certainty that the Jew did not pay back um, the uh, di- I'm sorry, did not return that which was which she had found. So it's that particular circumstance in which there, which there would be a chil Hashem. However, the Beis Yosef, written by the author of the Shulchan Aruch, says that it's a circumstance in which there are mostly Jews, and the non-Jew therefore has a uh, inclination that a Jewish person found it and did not return it. That would constitute the Chil Hashem. That is very important because it means when there's a strong uh, chance or a likelihood that a Jewish person found it, so that, we assume, is considered to be a Chil Hashem, even though the non-Jew would not necessarily know who really found it. So, I mean, an example, if, uh, let's say, it's a, uh, a, an area with a, a very high uh, Jewish population, um, or let's say, for example, if it's in front of a store, um, which is locked in front of a store or a, 
which is which is a kosher store, a store which is frequented by a lot of Jews. So then, the non-Jewish person could think that it was found by a Jewish person. That would be a likelihood or a very strong possibility. And that, according to Beis Yosef, would constitute a Chil Hashem. So right there and then, in that circumstance, it, the halacha is, this is again what the, the Zamara says this, and this is quoted by the post team, then for sure in that circumstance, the halacha is, one absolute, is absolutely obligated to return it to avoid the possibility of Chil Hashem. In addition to that, however, the Rambam adds something and says the following. He says that if a person returns the lost object in order to create a Kiddush Hashem, uh, Hashem Yisrael, so that they will bring glory to Klaisel, so they know they're trustworthy, so then, that's the better way to go. So the Rambam is unequivocal in regard to this, that the proper, better approach to take in regard to this, even if there would be no possibility of Hashem, he has to bring about a Kiddush Hashem. He uses the expression, Harez and Meshubach. That is the, um, that is, that person is praiseworthy. In other words, that is the uh, proper, appropriate approach that a person should take. So it turns out, after all is said and done, that uh, really, if a person asks, what should I do? I found something. Should I return it to a non-Jewish person? The answer is, number one, if, if, if it has a potential for Shil Hashem, then one is absolutely mechuyiv to return it. And if there's no potential, if, if there's, we don't have that chashash of Chil Hashem, so then the proper thing to do, if you want to be in the category of Harez and Meshubach, then you should return it. And there's stories in Chazal in regard to such things that we're going to talk about more next week, about how they create a, a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. That's the proper and appropriate thing to do. And uh, therefore, that's what a person should do. So in any case, that's in regard to an Aveda. Okay? Now, Let's turn to the halacha in regard to tosakum. What if you have, uh, you know, some, something going on between a Jew and a non-Jew, it's with money, and, and the, a mistake is made. So, tosakum and the non-Jew makes the mistake, and again, we're going to see some limitations, but first let's just a uh, general uh, overview of the halacha. So the non-Jew is the one who makes the mistake, so then the halacha is pretty straightforward, that, that the Jewish person um, does not have to uh, return the money um, to the to the uh, to the non-Jew. That technically would be true, even though again we'll see limitations later. There's a debate in regard to a situation which whether the Jewish per- if the Jewish person is the one who causes the non-Jew to make a mistake. In other words, something along the lines of the Jewish person is the one who um, comes up with some kind of uh, ca- uh, miscalculation, which is to his own favor, or something along those lines. So the Ramam holds that that's also. The Ramam holds that's considered to be stealing. Um, and the, the tour, on the other hand, says that that's considered to be permissible. So that's a debate as to whether a Jew is allowed to, um, in some way, cause, right, again, bring about some miscalculation and, uh, let's call it trick, the non-Jewish person in some way. Um, and this is quoted by the Ramah in the Shulchan Aruch. The Ramah quotes the two opinions, the position of the Rambam and the Tur. He's not Machria. Um, the ba, the, um, the Shach, however, um, it leans towards the view that it is prohibited. That, uh, the Lahatos, in other words, to, to cause a non-Jewish person to make a mistake, is considered to be prohibited. So first of all, that seems to be straightforward, right? It's Machlokas, actually, but, you know, Allah Chalamaisa. Um, one would not rely upon the leaning position to um, create some kind of mistake in a calculation uh, that would be to the Jews' benefit. Um, 
the, going back to the other halacha, we said that tos akum is uh, permissible, that if it's a non-Jew was the one who made the mistake, so you wouldn't have to return it. The Rambam introduces, however, a stipulation or a condition that makes this halacha oftentimes moot. It really is not relevant. The Rambam writes the following. He says that the Jewish person, in order for the Jewish person to be able to um, keep the money, if the non-Jew made a mistake, he has to say to the non-Jewish person that I'm relying upon you in this calculation and I don't know the correct calculation. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't involved in calculating this. Um, because the Raman says we are concerned that the non-Jew may be testing the Jew to see as to whether he's going to cheat him. And he, he, as a consequence, you know, the, the, the possibility exists that the non-Jewish person figures, you know, let me give the Jew, I only have $1,000, let me give him $1,500, and then let's see as to whether he returns the $500. And uh, th- then if, he did not, if the Jewish person does not return the, the $500, the Ramam says, it will cause a chil Hashem. So, the Rambam again says, in that circumstance, that one would have to say, "I'm totally relying upon you, and uh, I'm not. I'm not making the calculation on my own." Okay, so this is okay. I'm just going to put, you know, just take it without, without um, relying upon you. Whatever you gave me is okay with me. Something along those lines. So, this oftentimes um, it makes this move because, let's say, for example, if you received too much change, or somebody sent a check for too much money, or you know. Um, you know, or they sent a bill, you know, charging too little or something along those lines. So then you have to make clear that you're relying upon them 100%. Sometimes it's not really feasible to do so, to send such communication. Um, sometimes it just would sound really strange to communicate that. But in any case, that is a condition for Tosakum. So you don't have a blanket hat there. This is the Russian of the Rambam. He says, you know, the, the Rambam says that, um, that uh, he, he says... He has to tell him, um, You should see, this is the Lashon of the Rambam, that uh, I'm depending upon your calculation, I don't know myself. I only know what, you, what you're telling me. Um, and that's what I'm giving you. I'm giving you that. Um, so, and and uh, otherwise, the Rambam says, it would not be permissible for the Jew to keep the money. So that's a, a, a condition which, again, greatly limits the application of Tosakum. Um, that that uh, that hetter of tosakum. In addition to that, however, the um, the uh, the there's another stipulation which is mentioned, or another condition which is mentioned by the shach, and that is that if the mistake was made in the context of a transaction, so in that circumstance, in the context of a transaction, a mistake was made. That is also that's considered to be stealing. It's only in a circumstance in which, let's say, for example, a transaction already took place and then there was some miscalculation subsequently that it would be permissible that we even talk about tosaku. And again, that's with the condition that you have to say, I'm relying upon you completely. But if it took place in, in the transaction itself, the Shah says the hatter of tosaku doesn't apply at all because that's considered straightforward stealing. I, for example, you know, gave something to an individual. It was worth uh, $100. He gave me $150. So in that case, I stole. I stole $50 from him. So again, that oftentimes is the circumstance, and in that, circum- in that situation, the shach 
um, says that that's considered straightforward stealing. That could constitute, according to this, possibly nifedoraisa, as we talked about, as we talked about before. Um, to make it even worse or better, depending upon how you want to look at it, um, some folks can point out that it, it would seem, following some of this logic, that even if the mistake were made after the transaction, but the mistake was in regard to some kind of mekachumemkar, a transaction um, that took place between a Jew and a non-Jew, so then still one is fully obligated. So if a Jew sold something worth $100 and then afterwards there was a miscalculation a month later and he gave him 150 somehow, he paid him 100 and then he gave him another 50 or whatever the case might be, since it originated in the transaction, it's still considered to be stealing. So that would greatly limit, you know, there will only specific circumstances in which it's not considered mekachumemkar, not considered a normal transaction, in which we could talk about um, tos akum. So, tos akum very often simply doesn't apply. It's uh, often bandied about or mentioned, tos akum is not a problem, tos akum is not a problem, tos akum is not a problem. Um, and uh, very often that's absolutely untrue. Um, it can be a very serious problem because... Uh, it may not apply as we're talking about the context of the time of the transaction, even after a transaction has taken place. It may not apply if it originated um, in regard to, from the context of a transaction. And uh, the Jewish person has an obligation um, to say that I'm relying upon you, has to convey that very clearly, um, so that the, just to avoid a circumstance in which the um, non-Jew may be testing him to see as to whether he's honest or not. Um, so with all these circumstances, it becomes very difficult to, you know, to come up with a lot of situations in which tosakum can easily be applied. So um, let's just go over this for a second. We talked about, first of all, Geneva and Zela, absolutely, totally utter. We assume it constitutes an Isimina Torah. Havkas Alva, in regard to not paying back a loan, that technically is considered to be permissible. Um, but it's only in that specific circumstance in which a Jewish person received the money permissibly, and then the just simply basic circumstance would be in which the uh, the individual didn't ask for the loan back or something along those lines. Um, but in in other there are, beyond that narrow specific kind of circumstance, it really doesn't apply. Um, some people say that the Jewish person has to maybe articulate that he's uh, annulling the loan in some way, shape, or form. And we're going to see that, uh, in addition to that, whenever there's a possibility for Shil Hashem, which often is the case, because let's say, for example, you don't pay back a loan, and then they'll discover afterwards, wait a second, didn't they lend you money, or they have a record of it that they'll come across, that constitutes the Shil Hashem, there's no question that, that, would, that would, the Jew would be obligated to pay um, the money back. Um, and very often a, a Jewish person can't really be confident that uh, that will not happen, and therefore, again, because of the potential for Shil Hashem, which we're going to talk about momentarily, um, the Jewish person would have to pay back a loan as well. Um, we mentioned paying, paying a worker. We said there's a machlokes, whether it's hafkos alva, or whether it's considered to be geneva. Bottom line is one has to pay. It might even be geneva, and even hafkos alva. It's not so simple to apply it. Um, based upon some of the things we just noted. In regard to Aveda, we said that um, one technically does not have to return a lost object of a non-Jew, but if there's a potential for Chil Lashem, then one is absolutely obligated to, even if a non-Jewish person doesn't know that a Jew found it, but there's a likelihood that a Jew found it, then the Jewish person is obligated to return it. Um, and anyways, the Ramam says that uh, the, when the, if the person returns it with Kaddish Hashem, in order to uh, bring uh, a Kiddush Hashem and to bring glory to Kla Yisrael, 
so then um, that is Harizim Meshubach, that is the proper thing to do anyways. In regard to Tos Akum, we said there's a Machlokis in regard to Lahatos Akum, that's Machlokis, Rambam, and the Tur. We really paskin um, that we should be Machmir like the Rambam in regard to that issue, so Jewish persons should not be causing the mistake. But what if the, the non-Jew is the one who um, made the mistake on his own? So then the Gemara says technically one would not have to return the money to the, to the non-Jew. However, um, the Rambam says that one has to say straightforwardly that I'm totally relying upon you. The statement has to be made. I'm relying upon you. Um, I don't know the Cheshman on my own. And, I'm, and, and, uh, and without that statement, it's not permissible. Um, and in addition to that, uh, the post can say that if it uh, either took place during a transaction, or even if it originated from a transaction, that toast, that mistake, then um, it, it's likely that this heter does not apply. That's mentioned by the um, shach and, and commentaries on, the, you know, later commentaries as well, that elaborate upon this shach. Tosakum then doesn't apply to regular transactions. Right between uh, between people. Okay. Now, in addition to all of this, which greatly greatly limits, you know, any circumstance in which one would uh, not pay back money or not uh, or keep money that doesn't keep money of a, of a non-Jewish person, um, if the person did not uh, did not earn. So the we find in already in the time of the Rishonim that the Rishonim emphasizes very powerfully that. Um, one should try to be honest and not cut any corners. Um, first of all, there's a famous Ber Hagola. The Ber Hagola is a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. He usually just gives the uh, source for the, the Halacha and the Shulchan Aruch. But the Ber Hagola in Choshen Mishpat Simen Shin Memches uh, says that, um, and he quotes this from the Sefer Hasidim, he says, I'm writing the Ludoros. I'm writing for all future generations. I've seen, he said, many people who have, um, you know, kept um, money which belongs to a non-Jew based upon the Salah of Tos Akum. Ultimately, he says, They lost everything, ultimately, and they did not have a Yerushla to give over to their children. However, he says, I've seen other people who have restored, given back the object or the money, in the case of Tos Akum, and then, as a consequence, ultimately, they were very successful in life and they were able to leave over for the children. So, in other words, that's the proper route to go. And he says he's writing this with Doros. He's writing this for future generations. It's so important. This is quoted by other post games. Um, like, for example, you'll find this in the Arach HaSholch and others who quote this as well. Um, now, the Shailah Fichu is Binyamin Zayv, one of from the time of the 1500s. He also says this very powerfully. And he says that uh, in all circumstances, a Jewish person should not be tricking a, a non-Jew. It shouldn't be done ever. Uh, he, he says that, uh, that, that if one were to do so, if we were to do so, in addition to the fact that we find, he says, the Yaakov Avinu, for example, restored um, the, uh, the, 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 the lost objects, right, which, from his point of view, had been taken from the Egyptians who were over the Avodah but nonetheless he did this in order to be Mikavish Hashem to sanctify Hashem's name. So too he says we should do the same. And he says ultimately if they, we don't do this then when the final Geula comes then nations of the world will complain that uh, why is the Kaddish Baruch Hu taking out these people because they're a bunch of Ganavim and Ramayim the stealers and the cheaters etc. He says if we, if we make sure to maintain 
um, honesty and, and integrity in terms of everything that we do. So then the nations of the world, Umosa Olam, will acknowledge that we are deserving of the Gula. That's found in the Shalos Hachuvah Binyamin Zayf. He says in all circumstances one should do so. He even mentions a, a situation on his own in which there was uh, something of a tos akum. And he says that uh, he finally tracked down the individual. Um, it was, took some effort until he found the person who had given him apparently too much money. And then he said, he, created, he thought this created the Kiddush Hashem amongst all the people there. He said that's the proper approach that one should take. Um, in addition to this, there is a Rambam in um, the Perisha Mishnayis, in Mesech of Kalim, that is also very, very, very powerful. And this, again, is the Rambam's point of view. The Rambam is discussing a Mishnah where the Mishnah says that if you have a coin um, which has been damaged and as a consequence does not have the full value that it usually that usually is ascribed to it, so you have to put that coin aside. We're afraid that somebody's going to use, use it to cheat somebody else and, you know, they'll take a coin which is supposed to be worth $10, it's not only worth $8, and they'll cheat somebody by giving it to the person as if it's worth, worth $10. The Rambam says, uh, once I'm ready, I'm mentioning this halacha, you should know, obviously, you would never give this. He says, Kol Shekane, you would never give this to a non-Jewish person, right, to cheat a, to cheat a non-Jewish person. He says that there are b'nei adam. He says there are many people um, who think that these kinds of mistakes are permissible with non-Jews. And the Ramam says categorically, This is absolutely categorically untrue. Quotes some of the sources which we've seen. And then the Ramam says in an encompassing kind of way, He says all the ways of uh, charging too much money or making tricks or deceiving, etc. All these things are prohibited. Um, and the Ramam says that, interestingly, which is an interesting question all by itself, he says all these things, at the very least, are Geneva Das. You're actually deceiving the individual, and Geneva Das is prohibited, prohibited even in regard to a non-Jew. So the Ramam throws that in. He says it's Geneva Das. That would cover a lot of these circumstances, um, and the Ramam uses this the reason for arguing that one should never do so. The Ramam also mentions that this will, and this we'll discuss next time as well, create terrible midos in the individual. The person who's a cheater is going to be a cheater in all circumstances in life. And uh, it's not they won't be able to limit it to particular circumstances. They're going to be dishonest. They're going to be dishonest in other circumstances as well. Um, and the Ramam finally concludes with a, a pasuk, um, that he says that it's considered an abomination of Hashem, a person who does all these things. In other words, what the Raman seems to be saying, the Raman quotes this Pasuk in the Mishnah Torah as well, when he's discussing the halacha that, uh, you know, you're not allowed to, um, you know, about not cheating uh, a, a non-Jewish person. Raman seems to be saying that it is considered to be a categorical tueva. So a tueva is a tueva. It doesn't make a difference who you do it to. Um, this Rambam, you know, seems to, again, even though there's a whole technical discussion that we discussed before uh, about, um, about you know, when it might be mutter in particular circumstances, this Rambam really leans in the direction of the Baragola and the Shilfet Binyamin Zev, that um, one should try to avoid um, anything along these lines um, at all. It's uh, just not good from the point of view of Ganeidah's Das, from the point of view of Midos, from the point of view of... of um, of possibly doing something which the Torah would be considered to be a toeva 
um, etc. So after all is said and done, there really are either very few or no circumstances in which a person should um, ever engage in any practices in which one is taking money away from a non-Jewish person and not giving a non-Jewish person the money which uh, um, one deserves. Um, certainly, 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 a person has an inclination uh, that maybe something is considered to be permissible, um, then one would have to consult with a, uh, uh, a Rav um, in order to receive a Pesach in regard to this.